Okay, welcome back to our event, Energy Transition Challenges and Opportunities in Brazil. And we are now starting the second panel of the day, a very special uh, set of uh, guests that we have here, distinguished panelists that will join us in a minute. Um, so this second panel is the role of bioenergy and advanced biofuels in a net zero future. So um, the IPCC and the International Energy Agency have uh, uh, called our attention for the need for sustainable bioenergy to be deployed so that we can reach our net zero uh, pledges and net zero ambitions. And in, in the case of Brazil, Brazil has a long uh, history of, of policies towards bioenergy. And more recently, it has enhanced its policies uh, with the Renova um, Bio, the National Biofuse Policy, and the Fuel of the Future program, both of them uh, really uh, addressing the need for sustainable bioenergy to deliver the impact that, uh, uh, that we need in replacing fossil fuels in the transport sector, in uh, industry, and also in the, in the power uh, sector. Uh, just to give you an idea, um, uh, sugarcane biomass uh, is, is uh, responsible for almost 20% of uh, energy supply in Brazil in 2020. So that's a huge contribution. And, and for this reason, we, we will have this panel to, uh, to discuss with distinguished experts and, and, and CEOs from policy making side from the private sector, their perspectives on, on the roadmap to continue uh, developing that. And also we'll have uh, uh, the chance to discuss how Brazil and Germany are working together in, 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 and can benefit from uh, the potential of bioenergy. And, and sustainable biofuels. I would like to invite our panelists today. Uh, first, uh, I, I would like to mention uh, uh, that we have a, a keynote presentation by Pietro Menges, uh, director uh, at the, uh, actually he's uh, just appointed deputy secretary uh, of oil, natural gas and biofuels at the Ministry of Mines and Energy of Brazil. He was previously director at the biofuels department at the ministry. And he's originally uh, from uh, the National Regulatory Agency for Oil, Natural Gas and Biofuels. We are, uh, we are also having here today, Eduardo Leon, executive uh, uh, director at UNICA, the Sugar Industry Association. He's uh, very experienced and uh, very renowned in Brazil. Uh, for his experience, including, uh, and he was a senior economist and, uh, and regional program uh, leader in environment and agriculture in the World Bank. So thank you for joining us uh, in this panel. Uh, we also have here with us, Professor Gonzalo Pereira, uh, professor at, uh, he's a professor at Unicamp University, head of the Genomics and Bioenergy Lab uh, of the PhD program in bioenergy. Uh, and uh, we also have Gerolf Bürkeler, 
I hope I have uh, 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 pronounced that correctly. Um, uh, he's, uh, since uh, April 2021, he's uh, uh, at the uh, German Bioenergy Association uh, (BBE) uh, as a as a, a managing director, uh, and uh, and he was uh, uh, he's also very uh, uh, he has been working as a speaker for climate uh, protection and sustainability. So uh, also uh, thank you so much for for joining us. Um, uh, let me uh, skip uh, uh, for this for this moment uh, the keynote uh, presentation by Pietro because apparently he, he had some uh, uh, problem connecting. So uh, I asked our team in the uh, in the backstage to try to figure that out. Uh, but I would like to start by um, inviting. Uh, uh, from the industry, Eduardo Leon, uh, thank you again for joining us. Uh, and to, uh, if uh, I would like to hear from you, uh, you know, this is a very challenging time. You know, we have been discussing how to balance or how to combine the imperatives of energy transition and energy security. And we have seen from Brazilian experience how bioenergy gives a uh, critical contribution to energy security. Uh, so how do you see the, the, this moment? How do you see the policies uh, that are being in, implemented and in, in put in place, such as the national biofuels policy, the fuel of the future, uh, the blending mandates? So uh, how do you see uh, the role of biofuels in this moment and how we can uh, um, uh, and, and what kind of challenges do you see ahead? How can we uh, move forward? So uh, just to, to kick off this conversation, Eduardo, we are happy to hear uh, the, the view of the industry, the perspective of, of the industry in Brazil. Uh, thank you, Bahal. Uh, good afternoon to those who are in Europe. Good morning to uh, colleagues here in Brazil. Uh, if you allow me, I have uh, prepared a set of slides for my initial remarks, and I would ask uh, if uh, someone from the organization could help me with that. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, well, my name is uh, Eduardo. I'm the executive director of Unica. Unica is the uh, Brazilian Sugarcane Industry and Bioenergy Association. I'm currently representing our president, uh, Mr. Evandro Gussi, who unfortunately, uh, due to a last minute uh, a commitment at the Brazilian government, uh, could not participate. But I'll try to bring some information regarding uh, our industry here in Brazil. The first slide, uh, if you could uh, please uh, pass, uh, uh, summarize the importance of ethanol in our light vehicle fleet in Brazil. Ethanol represents almost half of total use of fuels in our light vehicle fleet. And uh, the major benefit from this use 
can be seen in the next slide where uh, you can see the how much this uh, large use of ethanol into our uh, next please the use of this large use of ethanol in our uh, uh, vehicle fleet represents to the decarbonization agenda if you look at the, the last 20 years uh, when we started using the flex fuel vehicles in brazil uh, this has allowed to uh, avoid the emission of 600 million tons of CO2, which would represent 4 billion trees to achieve the same reduction. And how this can be done? Next, please. Next. One more. Thank you. So this, this is, uh, is possible to be done because ethanol can reduce up to 90% of greenhouse gas emissions when we compare to gas. And this is considering all the life cycle analysis and also including the indirect land use change uh, caused by all the production of the sugarcane uh, to produce uh, ethanol here in Brazil. Next, please. And, and this amazing, uh, uh, this amazing uh, 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 performance of ethanol, uh, substituting almost 50% of the gasoline here in the country, uh, is being done using less than 1% of the Brazilian territory. Less than 1%. Uh, uh, that's used to produce sugarcane of our territory allows us to substitute almost 50% of current uh, fuels used in light vehicle fleet. Next, please. Another important figure to this agenda uh, is how far we are from, you can see, that 92% of our production in the central southern part of Brazil is 2,500 kilometers from the Amazon. This would be equivalent to, to a situation, for instance, uh, if you produce sugarcane in Berlin, Germany, and the Amazon area would start in Madrid, for instance. This is more or less the, distan the distance of uh, where we produce sugarcane and where the Amazon area is. Uh, and also important to mention that based on uh, the, our RenovaBio program, which is the biofuels program here in Brazil that for sure will be explained by uh, Mr. Pietro, uh, uh, does not allow us to, to uh, cause any kind of deforestation. You cannot deforestate any, any tree. Uh, if you do that, if you suppress any tree, you will be out of the program and would be not allowed to benefit from uh, the, the carbon credit that is envisaged in our biofuels uh, uh, policy. Next, please. But the ethanol has not only provided benefit from the decarbonization side. It also has uh, provided a 
enormous benefit regarding the improvement of the air quality in our large cities. Just an example, Sao Paulo, many of you may have been uh, uh, here in Sao Paulo and have seen the large traffic jam that we have in the city. Sao Paulo is the fourth largest pop, uh, city in terms of population. And when you look at the current air quality, you can see that Sao Paulo ranks as the 1,779 position in terms of the most polluted cities in the world. So this is basically due to the large use of ethanol, which is more than 60% in the city. And to, uh, come to coming to uh, my conclusion, uh, if you can please uh, move to the next slide. Uh, I would like to mention that uh, why, I'd like to mention why uh, the, this discussion of the mobility is so important in the decarbonization agenda. Because uh, first, we represent, this, the, 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 the transport sector represents 25% of total uh, emission of CO2 in the world. One fourth comes from the transport sector. And second, the situation will get even more complicated over the next years. We envisage that in the next two decades, we should double the current uh, fleet in the world. So we have to find solutions to decarbonize, decarbonize this, uh, this sector. And there are many solutions, multiple solutions for that. One is the combustion engine, as we know it today, that can be used with ethanol blended into the gasoline, as we do here in Brazil. In Brazil, all petrol has 27% of ethanol. We, and we also use 100% pure in the flex fuel vehicles. So combustion is a solution to uh, decarbonize the, 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 the transport sector in the very short term. But we also have other alternatives. The hybrid flex, the hybrid vehicles that can run on ethanol, as we already have some vehicles, some models running in Brazil. Hybrid vehicles, uh, a combination of, of electric with combustion uh, uh, engines, but running on ethanol. The third one is was the one that were, was already mentioned in the first panel regarding the fuel cell that you can generate electricity inside the car on board using ethanol from which you extract uh, the hydrogen to generate the power to the electric vehicle. But you also have other alternatives using ethanol, for instance, generating the electricity for uh, the plug-in cars, cars that run on electricity, they can use this electricity from also from sugarcane uh, technologies such as uh, bio, biogas, biomethane. These are also solutions that are already uh, in place here in Brazil, and we are working on to expanding this alternative. And to conclude. Uh, as, as, as I have just mentioned in this slide, uh, in the next one, we, we would like to leave this message to all of you, that we understand that we are not the solution, but we are for sure part of the solution. 
to prevent global warming, the world must fa face challenge goals. And for this, we depend on complementary solutions and every po possible efforts. So we are part of the solution. With this, I'd like to uh, finish uh, for now, and uh, we'll be glad to uh, continue the discussion afterwards. Thank you very much. Thank you, Eduardo. It's uh, interesting to see this, to have this overview from the sugarcane industry and, and biofuel industry. And I can uh, uh, quickly react to your presentation by stating that, uh, first of all, uh, you look at, when you look into the future, you see a diversity of technologies and solutions to deliver uh, decarbonization. It's not just one technology, it's not just uh, one solution, but it's a, it's a diversity of, of solutions that will coexist in this, in this environment. And the second uh, thing is uh, that the sugarcane industry is not stuck in the past. It's, it's looking into the future uh, towards sustainability patterns, sustainability uh, issues, uh, but also to new technologies to transform the industry uh, in the process of energy transition. So I think it's very interesting uh, to, uh, that you share this, uh, this perspective from, from the sugarcane industry in Brazil. Thank you. Uh, hopefully we can come back to explore uh, more details uh, of that. Uh, now we have Pietro connected. Uh, uh, Pietro, uh, we uh, expect you to uh, provide us some uh, keynote uh, about uh, the state of the, the energy policies toward, uh, with regard to bioenergy, biofuels. And uh, so we are really excited to hear from you. Um, what, what's next? What's, what, what is the ministry working on? What kind of... Uh, policies we can uh, you would like to highlight for us at this point so thank you for joining us thank you Bahau. it's a great pleasure to stay here to join berlin energy transition dialogue this side event and uh, with this uh, so uh, experts in this dialogue professor gonzalo mr eduardo leon and, and gerald busler and uh, first of all, I would like to say that biofuels are very important for energy security to reduce import of fossil fuels and to reduce carbon intensity of our fuel matrix. And we really believe that, as you told before, that biofuels can coexist with electrification and we can combine the best of biofuels and electrification process. Uh, we are, as you said in the beginning of this event, the second largest producer and consumer market of biofuels in the world and the fourth largest automotive fuel market in the world. At COP26, Brazil has showed uh, the intention to reduce greenhouse gas emissions by 50% below to 2005 levels in 2030 and to become carbon neutral in 2050. And of course, we need to have uh, a huge uh, spectrum of solutions. To promote the, the use of biofuels, Brazil has three key policies. Mandates for biofuels, that is the most traditional way to stimulate the use of biofuels in Brazil. Renovabio, that I will explain further, and fuel of the future. In Brazil, when you go to the gas station, it's not possible to buy just fossil fuels, liquid fossil fuels. 
we have in our gasoline 27 percent of hydrozethanol e100 hydrozethanol and diesel b that nowadays we have 10 percent of biodiesel last week we launched measures to stimulate production of biomethane from waste we expect to increase our production from 400,000 cubic meters per day to 2.4 million cubic meters per day of biomethane in 2027. Last year, we used more than 27 billion liters of ethanol and 6.4 billion liters of biodiesel. And as Eduardo showed us, we can prove that we are producing in a sustainable way because it's not permitted to use areas that comes from deforestation process. Renovabil is the main regulated market of the carbonization credits. In, uh, we commercialize Cebios. Cebios is equivalent to one ton of CO2 equivalent avoided into the atmosphere by the use of biofuels and inspired in low carbon fuel standard from California. We have submitted the target of Renovabio to reduce 10% of our carbon intention to United Nations high-level dialogue and energy until 2030, considering 2018 as a baseline. We are moving from 73 grams CO2 equivalent per megajoule to 66 grams CO2 equivalent per megajoule in 2030. That becomes Brazil one of the most cleanest fuel matrix of the world. In 2021, we avoided emissions of 24 million CO2 equivalent using biofuels and the market commercialized at exchange because all the commercialization of CBIOS happens at exchange. More than 1 billion reais, almost 200 million US dollars of decarbonization credits were commercialized at exchange. And we are going further. In view of the future program, we are working to integrate public policy related to the automotive industry and fuels. And what are the base of the integration of policy related to fuels and to the automotive industry? Is the life cycle assessment from well to the wheel and not just from the tank to the wheel to evaluate sustainability of mobility. We want to consider to evaluate sustainable mobility, the step of generation energy too. Um, our strategy to fuel of the future, we want to develop an industry in Brazil for low carbon fuels in aviation and maritime industry, because these sectors are considered hard to abate. And so we need to have low carbon fuels to decarbonize, to decarbonize these sectors. And according to the study of Roundtable of Sustainable Biomaterial, RSB, from Europe, Brazil, Brazil has the potential to produce 90 billion liters of sustainable fuel, SAF, mainly from sugarcane waste, more than 6 billion liters. It's more than our consumption of jet fuel. So Brazil is recognized one of the countries that can export sustainable aviation fuel. We are working to develop a legal framework for carbon capture and storage CCS. In Brazil nowadays, there is not regulatory authority for this activity, and CCS is very important to reduce carbon intensity of energy. We believe that we need to have a portfolio of solutions to promote sustainable mobility and consider energy generation too. When we consider this step, 
biofuels are competitive with electric vehicles to reduce GAG, and we believe that we can need to have both solutions and they are complementary. We will not have a single solution. For example, for countries of South region like Brazil and India, makes sense to use biofuels because we can produce these fuels in a sustainable way and we can combine with electrification like hybrid vehicles and fuel cell, where the source of hydrogen can be ethanol or biomethane. When you consider LCA from L to the wheel, a hybrid vehicle with ethanol emits from 5 to 35 grams CO2 equivalent per kilometer and an, an, an electrical vehicle in Europe from 10 to 130 grams CO2 equivalent per kilometer, depending on the source of energy. So if we are sustainable and we can prove that our production of biofuels is sustainable, why not to continue to use bioenergy and why not to export these models for other countries and help, for example, countries like India and Thailand that has a, a great production of sugarcane to increase the ethanol content and to promote sustainability in the mobility. Thank you, Barão. Thank you, Pietro, and congratulations for the work done in shaping these policies uh, uh, with regard to bioenergy in general. And uh, I think very much uh, bringing innovative uh, policy policy design into uh, into the market in Brazil. And, and I, I'm really glad to see that uh, there has been a lot of confidence uh, in the robustness of these policies. So we have had uh, the, the first two years of full implementation of Renova Bio policy uh, and the C-Bio markets. And uh, it's not an easy process after, you know, the pandemic and, and, and the current, current energy prices uh, going up worldwide. So, uh, but I, I, as far as I uh, have seen, these policies have proven resilient, uh, very resilient to be to be fair, and uh, so uh, and and it's really exciting also to see uh, the fuel of the future uh, uh, with a number of ministries working in coordination to deliver uh, the uh, enhancement in in the policies uh, and, and the regulation. So. I, uh, just a uh, quick reaction to your uh, keynote. So thank you for that. And now I would like to uh, uh, invite uh, Gerolf uh, to join us in this conversation. And because, yeah, I mean, uh, bioenergies is something that every Brazilian knows a lot about and it's part of our daily life. But uh, uh, in Europe, it's, it's not so obvious as part of the energy transition uh, many times when we when we discuss an an international forum, bioenergy is not even uh, uh, mentioned in in many of these forums. So I'm really um, um, interested to hear uh, from you that uh, from the German Bioenergy Association, how have you uh, how do you see this uh, this uh, the role of bioenergy in in the transition? Both in Germany but worldwide, uh, how do you how how do you see the prospects for sustainable sustainability and bioenergy in uh, as we move ahead in, in the energy transition? Thank you. 
Uh, Gerhof, uh, I, I believe you are muted. Can you check on that? Or maybe it's it's the it's the I don't think we can hear you. Maybe it's it's the headphones. Uh, Gehov, let me. Can you try again? No. Uh, yes. Yes. Now. Yeah. Okay. So, sorry. Uh, can Can you hear me? Yes. Perfectly. Now. Move ahead. Okay. So sorry for the connection problems. Um, yeah. So thanks for the question, and I want to bring in the German uh, perspective into the discussion. So uh, just three points that I want to make. The first one is that also in Germany, of course, biofuels are a huge part and an important part of the energy uh, discussion and of the climate policies. So uh, for example, in 2020, sustainable biofuels uh, saved uh, roughly 13 million tons CO2 equivalents in the transport sector and provided uh, roughly 90% of all renewable energy used in the transport. So um, without biofuels, there wouldn't have been uh, much effort in achieving uh, climate targets in the transport. Second point I wanted to make is that also in future, biofuels will of course play an important role in achieving climate and energy targets in the transport sector. Even if we are uh, going the direction of uh, electrification of the transport, the German government has the target of, uh, of uh, having 15 million uh, electric vehicles on the road in 2030. But when we know that we have 49 million cars now on the streets with combustion engine, this leaves uh, roughly 35 million cars, uh, cars that are still uh, um, using uh, combustion engines in 2030. So, and it is clear that all these cars that still run on combustion engines will also have to, to play their role in, um, in climate mitigation and transport sector. And the last point uh, that has gained increasing attention in, in, the, in the last uh, days and weeks due to the war in Ukraine is uh, the the, the role for uh, security of energy supply. So uh, we see that uh, large parts of fossil fuels come from instable and insecure uh, world regions. And of course, also biofuels produced domestically or sourced from, uh, from stable world regions, being it uh, other neighboring EU countries or, or other stable parts of the world, of course, also play an important role for securing energy supply and uh, making um, not only Germany, but also the EU and all uh, nations uh, more uh, independent uh, from, from those uh, unstable world regions. So uh, from my perspective, it's clear that of course, biofuels will have to play an important role in uh, securing energy supply in the future and also provide uh, um, climate mitigation and uh, renewable energy uh, for the, for the transport sector in the future. Uh, uh, Gerhard, may, may I just uh, 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 still keep with you and, and, uh, and hear 
um, about um, how do you see the role of new technologies? So we have had in Brazil uh, the, the second uh, plan for a second generation ethanol, and we are discussing, uh, and the world is discussing new generation uh, of biofuels. Uh, how, how much is, uh, uh, you know, German companies, German uh, uh, institutes of research are, uh, are involved in, in, in building that? Yeah, also in Germany, we see a, a gradual shift towards uh, second generation biofuels uh, being produced from residues and waste. And this is also due to the fourth uh, scheme and due to the renewable energy directive of the EU um, that favors uh, residues and, and waste biofuels uh, because of the, the larger greenhouse gas uh, savings compared to biofuels uh, being produced from, from traditional uh, food and, and feed crops. And so um, it's, it's kind of an, um, yeah, a market mechanism that works quite well. So we see uh, incentives for companies using more of those waste and residues as uh, the greenhouse gas accounting methodology um, favors them over the traditional biofuel crops. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, uh, excellent. Uh, very interesting to see that uh, you know, Brazil and Germany have very different natural conditions, geographic conditions, but still, uh, you know, countries can uh, can sort out uh, what kind of potential for bioenergy they can play in the supply chain, uh, in in techn technological solutions. So I think uh, uh, we we have a very positive prospect for collaboration. Uh, between both countries uh, in, in bioenergy as well. Now, uh, uh, last but not least, Professor Gonzalo Pereira uh, would like to invite you to join this conversation uh, and, and hear from you about um, uh, your research uh, and how do you see um, the prospects for bioenergy uh, in, this, in, this, uh, in this moment uh, as the market evolves, we have new policies in place. We have uh, prospects for new technologies uh, and the need to accelerate the pace of decarbonization and also paying attention to energy security. So how do you see the research uh, contributing to those objectives and in, in, in this current uh, context? So, Thiago, thank you, thank you. Hello to everybody. It's a pleasure to be here with Pietro, Eduardo, Gerhoff. Um, I think we are, we are living in a, in a very important moment. And, um, and very difficult. We must be really careful about the next steps because, uh, in my opinion, we got a lot of marketing. We got a lot of, of uh, I would not say fake news, just to take a, a name that is very, very popular nowadays, but it's a kind of when we, we begin to go really very strict in the direction of some technologies without thinking, without thinking with details, what would be the consequence of it? For example, 
uh, I always repeat this, when we, we speak about electric car by batteries, when we look carefully, we are speaking about mining. Mining is not renewable, absolutely. It's not renewable at all. That means electric car is a, is a great technology because electric motors are much more efficient than, than combustion motors. However, battery, metallic battery as, as the reserve of energy for the vehicle, it's, 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 a, it's a very, very bad idea. Very bad idea. Then what, what, what I see, and this is, in my opinion, the most, uh, the most dangerous, the most dangerous politics is, is when this politics is not directly connected with uh, careful analysis and uh, without understanding life cycle analysis, we, we understand nothing. Then we need to put life cycle analysis in every process that we do. We, we got some numbers from, from Pietro and Eduardo speaking about the, the, the numbers of ethanol. And when we look carefully, when we look carefully about this, the first conclusion is it has always been hydrogen. Hydrogen is not new. <laughs> it has always been hydrogen. Since the beginning of the universe, actually, it has always been hydrogen. What we have in, with the ethanol, with the biomethane, and even the biodiesel, is that we have a, a vector for this hydrogen to be transported. As you, we, we, we see now, for example, with the, the this, let's say, this uh, commotion on the hydrogen, with this commotion on the hydrogen, that people see the, the obvious. It's not easy to transport hydrogen as, as a gas. We need to find vectors, and then we try to go to ammonia, and then we, get, we try to go to a fuse, and I have seen, for example, I think three three weeks ago, the minister of Germany saying that the combustion vehicle will persist in Germany for a long time. However, the problem is not, uh, uh, I think we have a problem here with the energy. I hope that you can continue to hear me. Then uh, we, we have a problem we have a problem with the combustible, but not a problem with the combustion. This is the most important thing to understand. Combustion, if you use the correct combustible, is great, it's perfect. This is the, the, the logics behind the fuse, and this is correct. However, we can go beyond the fuse. When we go to the, to the fuse cells, and we have some we have some contract with two companies, and these companies are are convicted are are really decided to go in this direction because when we connected biofuel like ethanol or even biomethane with electricity by fuel cells, then we more than double the efficiency of the of the fuel utilization in an electric car, a full electric car. And in my opinion, this is the future. And one question that we, we heard frequently and we discuss a lot with these, these automobile companies is, but uh, is this possible to have ethanol everywhere or sufficient ethanol in order to run 
this new technology so that we we are not going to produce a technology only for brazil because the market is not sufficient big sufficient for such technology it's it's really it's just a matter of analysis of analysis when we look at brazil we have around 190 million hectares of pasture most of this pasture are low quality pasture when you put sugarcane or other energy crop on this, the, the capture of carbon is enormous. The, the increase in the quality of the environment uh, um, uh, around is great. And we produce jobs. Jobs, in my opinion, is the most important thing to produce in the world today. Look, when we go to this area only in Brazil, and we go to the second technology or the second generation technology that has been initiated um, uh, beyond or, or or ahead ahead of the correct time ahead of the correct time. It was again a commotion. Everybody wanted to be the first second, né? the first to have the second generation running in order to to sell technology for everybody. And then we we committed the the, the very simple errors in this in this process and these errors um, that we are we are now recovering with the announcement of of Raizen to make the second second generation mill and this this is has the, the let's say the, the the possibility to open this technology for the world and then when we look at the several uh, energy crops like energy cane like agave and several others that we can we have in brazil with very high capacity to convert photosynthesis in chemical in chemical molecules when we look at second generation applied to this with less than half of this pasture that we have in brazil we would have ethanol to replace the gasoline of all the world Look, I'm, I'm speaking about 190 million hectares. In Africa, you have 540 million hectares to be applied with this kind of future and technology. Then, instead of having migration to Europe, to Germany, and so on and so forth, we can have with this kind of strategy um, sustainability, environmental sustainability, jobs, a lot of jobs, and very, very high, high level technology represented by the few cells that, in my opinion, can be can be the future of motorization. That is my 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 first comments. And um, it's a lot of opportunities. For example, Bosch. Bosch has just acquired less than one year ago a, a big company or rights a relevant part in a big company. That is the, the most important company in the fuel cell production in the world. That means we must reduce the, the size of these equipment to put the car. Not only the cars, you can use this in ships, you can use this in, 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 in railways, in, everywhere. So that's it for a moment. Thank you, Prof Professor, Professor Gonzalo. Uh, for uh, sharing your perspectives and and I think highlighting some of the aspects that we heard before about the diversity of solutions that need to be combined and 
and and and call, driving our attention as well to uh, other uh, vulnerabilities and issues related to supply chain when we move to de decarbonize transportation and industry. Uh, so and 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 and, and biofuels can be part of the portfolio, right? Uh, it's a matter of uh, making uh, the adjustments in the policies and 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 understanding that we have. The, uh, a global uh, industry, a, a global industry, uh, uh, automobile, for example, but we have regional markets that can be uh, developed and 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 have a place for biofuels as well. To uh, uh, but not biofuels as it is today. Biofuels with more uh, uh, with new technologies combined to uh, to make it uh, even more attractive as a, as a solution. But one thing uh, that I think it's it's very important uh, we have we heard from Eduardo in the beginning about the sustainability side of of uh, biofuel production. Uh, and so I would have a, a a question to the panel and Eduardo, please feel free to start if you like um, about uh, innovation. Research and innovation has driven a huge productivity gain in 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 uh in in biomass production uh how do you see the potential for continue that uh process of increasing productivity uh because we see potential for uh uh, uh biofuels in aviation biofuels in shipping biofuels in other sectors so uh, going beyond uh, the existing market uh markets so will we have biomass for all that, all those new markets, or will we uh, have to uh, prioritize the biomass for those markets where it's harder to uh, deliver decarbonization with uh, with electrification, for example, or or, or other or other uh, available solutions? How how to how do you see the this this issue about productivity? and uh, biomass supply for biofuel production in a sustainable way. Uh, thank you, Thiago. I, I think you, you raised a, a very important question that it was somehow already tackled by uh, both uh, Professor Gonzalo and also uh, Mr. Pietro. Uh, that is basically how to ensure that the production of uh, these biofuels is, is made on a sustainable way. Uh, I think, I think the, the, there are three important aspects. Uh, the first one is regarding the improvement of uh, technologies that will increase the production in the same area. So we are talking, in, in this case, we are talking not only about uh, increasing the productivity of the sugarcane production, but also uh, new technologies uh, that was uh, also, also brought uh, in this panel regarding the use of second generation ethanol that you can practically uh, double almost double the production of ethanol in the same area so we, we have to address technologies that uh, we will increase the productivity in the same uh, using the same area uh, second something in, uh, important uh, aspect brought by professor gonzalo is the uh, potential to increase the production of sugarcane or other feedstocks in areas uh, considered degraded 
ones. Uh, uh, Professor Gonzalo mentioned the the uh, the huge area that we still have uh, in Brazil, for instance, used uh, as degraded pastures uh, that could be part of it used to uh, produce other crops that would even increase the carbon storage in this land. Because as you know, the, the degraded pasture has, uh, uh, has a serious problem in terms of uh, carbon stock uh, storage. And third, last but not least, it was also mentioned in this panel, is regarding the possibility of the, diversi the regionally diversification of the production throughout the world. We have uh, nowadays uh, at least uh, 100 countries that already produce uh, sugar uh, and sugarcane uh, that uh, with a very uh, easy and uh, little stimulus could start to diversify this production and start production ethanol on a sustainable ways in areas that uh, you can produce uh, biomass on a very competitive basis, but also making sure that you have the correct rules, the correct policies to guarantee the level of sustainability as we've been uh, working hard here in Brazil. Thank you, Eduardo. Uh, let me hand now to Gerolf uh, to uh, share his perspectives or add any comments at this point. Gerolf. Yeah, thank you. So um, I wanted to add, when we look at the future perspective of biofuels, um, I guess it is clear that biofuels will mainly uh, be used in those sectors that are hard or even impossible to electrify. So this is uh, not only the existing car fleet that runs on uh, biofuels, but these are also other uh, um, applications like heavy duty machinery um, or um, agriculture machinery. So all those applications that need high energy uh, density that cannot be provided by battery electric uh, applications. So um, it is clear that we will have a mix of uh, renewable energies uh, and uh, biofuels will have to play their role where other renewables cannot go. And this is, uh, as I said, the existing car fleet and uh, these are all the, the other um, already existing combustion en uh, engines uh, that need high energy density. And uh, politics has to acknowledge uh, that biofuels are a well-established and also available technology. And we have to use this technology in order to reach in a timely manner our climate and energy targets. Because if we only wait for the green hydrogen in the future, or if we wait for uh, electrification, then we lose time in the fight against uh, climate change. Well, thank you, thank you for for adding to that. Uh, very interesting. Um, uh, I, we have a question from the audience, and I would like to uh, ask the panel to comment if you like. Um, the role of e-biofuel cells. Um, uh, uh, Professor Gonzalo uh, mentioned uh, uh, the uh, the issue about uh, mining 
uh, and sustainability, for example, with regard to um, to the batteries that need uh, that uh, are you know uh, part of the electrification electric vehicles with batteries and and fuel cells uh, and in particular not only hydrogen but uh, for example uh, ethanol fuel cells could uh, tackle or address some of the the issues sustainability issues from another perspective. So how do you see and, the, and this technology as far as I'm concerned, Pietro, uh, is is uh, covered in in the fuel of the future program as well. So uh, would you would you provide us a, you know with a, a brief comment on on the role of uh, e biofuel uh, e biofuel cells uh, in in this uh, uh, big picture of of uh, of the, well in the role of uh, biofuels in the transition. Uh, thanks, Bahau. Of course, uh, we, we believe that electrification is more just uh, batteries, just batteries and, and when you gain uh, electrical vehicles. We believe that electrification, we can use hybrid and we can use fuel cell as well. And we have uh, research here. I think that uh, Professor Gonzalo can uh, explain better how is going the research. And we are trying to, to find more resource for research development and innovation using, for example, uh, ANP clause. ANP is the regulatory authority for natural gas, petroleum, and biofuels here in Brazil. And oil and gas industry need to invest 1% of their revenues from oil and gas reserves in research. And we want to boost this, uh, these investments to develop. One, one of the key subjects is related to fuel cell. Uh, we, we see a lot of potential of ethanol fuel cell and the biomethane fuel cell as well um, because we have the infrastructure of supply. So we have the infrastructure nowadays to distribute ethanol and it's easier and reduce the cost of electrification process. And as we, we are talking here, we believe that we need to coexist a lot of solutions, including fuel cell. So we need to have fuel cell, EVs, biofuels, everything we need to use to achieve our target to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Professor, would you like to add anything uh, to that? You were mentioned. <laughs> yeah. Uh, first of all, I, I had a problem here in the electricity in my room. If uh, this were would be a fuel cell, I have not this problem. We would not experience this problem of uh, of uh, breaking the transmission because look, uh, we have a, a, a very wrong idea that electricity is something that you have a plug and uh, you put something inside this plug to have the electricity. Electricity is flow of electrons. When you look at the biomass, what is exactly biomass? Biomass is, is not less than a battery of CO2. It's the photosynthesis that charges the CO2 with a lot of electrons. That means, in my opinion, and it's very good, it's essential with what Pietro is doing in this view of the future, it's essential can change not only Brazil, but the, the, the way that the world think. When we begin to understand 
that what we have in the biomass is source of electricity. But in order to convert the source of electricity in electricity, we need a few cells. Fuel cells is a very old technology. And now we need to put a lot of effort in order to convert these old ideas, these old technologies in, in technologies that can be used for everything, including the functioning of uh, small cars, uh, like, for example, the Nissan uh, six years ago, brought to Brazil a prototype working, doing, making something like 26 kilometers, 20 to 26 kilometers per liter in a prototype. We can go in this prototype and, uh, and convert this in a real technology. And for Germany, this is a huge opportunity. Well, thank you. We're now um, heading to the end of, uh, uh, of this panel. But before, uh, uh, I will still have a final round for burning final comments. Uh, but I, I would like uh, to um, apologize, inform and apologize that uh, Mr. Pablo DC, uh, he was uh, originally planned to join us, but uh, he had a, a last minute problem and he, uh, he unfortunately could not join us today, uh, the, the executive chairman of Volkswagen Latin America. Um, but uh, now uh, for a final round, uh, if any of you would like to uh, leave a, you know, a final comment, 30 seconds. Uh, um, Pietro, would you like to, to, uh, to start? Yes. Oh, my final comment is that we are working together with the uh, German government. We have uh, a lot of actions here that uh, GIZ is conducting, and we're working together to develop sustainable aviation fuel here in Brazil. We have a lot of support to develop biomethane and biogas industry, and we hope that we can continue to work together and to promote the use of low-carbon fuels in all the sectors that is possible. Thank you. Uh, and uh, uh, and you have um, uh, we have also worked, uh, Pietro. You mentioned the bilateral cooperation with the Germ with, with Germany, but also with the IEA on the TCPs as well, right? Right. It's a it's a long history of collaboration, and we really appreciate this collaboration in Brazilian government. Excellent. The TCPs are, are the technology cooperation programs under the frame of the International Energy Agency. And it's, it's been really um, interesting to, to have the industry and, and, and in, uh, a number of institutions collaborating there. Any other uh, burning final comment? Anyone? Uh, Eduardo? Tiago, uh, if, if you allow me very quickly, I'd like to leave three major messages. First one. Uh, we fully uh, uh, we are fully convinced that ethanol uh, it can be uh, an important solution for three of the major challenges of this century. First, uh, climate change. It can decarbonize one of the sectors that uh, most emit in the world. Second, a solution to reduce uh, air pollution in major uh, cities throughout the world, as you can see, more and more cities with uh, huge problems of air pollution. And three, 
to can be an economic solution to reduce the dependence on imported oil and provide an alternative to the rural areas. Second message, uh, we, we are fully convinced, and this was, uh, I think that it was brought in all the, the, the messages here in this panel, is that uh, we're going to have multiple solutions for the decarbonization of the transport sector. And ethanol should uh, for sure be one of them. And third and final uh, comment is uh, that we, we have to work together, not only uh, to provide uh, a private sector and public sector to provide sound, long-term public policies that create the conditions to have a sustainable uh, biofuels or any other uh, program that will provide incentives to the decarbonization of the sector, uh, but also among countries. And uh, as Pietro has just mentioned, very important to have this kind of cooperation among countries that uh, consume, that can produce uh, uh, clean energy. And this is the, the best way we, we, we are facing this, this problem right now. Uh, unfortunately, due to this very uh, unexplic inexplicable war, we more and more see that we need to diversify not only the sources of energy, but also the, uh, the geographic uh, origin of these uh, sources of energy. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, and finally, Gerolf, uh, please. Uh... I, I'll be quick. Uh, so with respect to time, I just wanted to highlight um, that uh, with respect to the Ukraine war, um, there's a, one important message that, that we also have to consider. Biofuels are a sustainable source of domestic energy supply and they help us um, uh, replacing fossil energy that are imported from uh, regions and unstable uh, countries that we want to uh, reduce our energy imports from. Yeah, that's, uh, that's uh, very important. And uh, so, for example, uh, yeah, I think biofuels can play a role in in reducing uh, the pressure on, on the demand side uh, for um, for biodiesel, for 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 a fossil diesel, and and for gasoline, for example. So uh, I think this is a, a very important comment. Um, with this, uh, we are coming to an end of this panel. Uh, I would really uh, like to thank our panelists, Pietro. Eduardo, uh, Gerolf, and, and Professor Gonzalo, thank you so much for joining us, for sharing your perspectives. Uh, it was a really interesting conversation here today. So thank you so much. And uh, hope to see you in the near future or at the Berlin Energy Transition Dialogue. And uh, finally, uh, just uh, to rem remind you that this event um, is promoted, was promoted by the Embassy of Brazil in Germany in collaboration with the Ministry of Mines and Energy of Brazil and the Brazilian Trade and Investment Promotion Agency, Apex Brazil. Uh, we were really pleased to have you uh, with us here today, uh, uh, learning and, and discussing uh, a little bit more about hydrogen and bio, uh, sustainable biofuels and, and their role in the energy transition in, particularly, uh, in particular, uh, the challenges and opportunities in Brazil 
and in the cooperation Brazil-Germany. So uh, thank you so much for your audience. Thank you uh, and uh, hope to see you soon in, uh, 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 in other opportunities. So thank you, everyone. Have a, have a great day, all of you. Bye-bye.